Shut up and sit down. Okay, welcome back to an emergency summer edition of the Limited Upside Podcast. I'm Ben, I'm here with Mike, and we are back in one of these tiny little phone rooms in the 40th Street office here at Vox Media. I'm lucky enough to be here with Mike this evening, and we're doing this kind of as simultaneously something huge, and the reason I said emergency was because... Oh, it's an emergency. That's right, because Russell Westbrook is able to throw as much shade as he wants now at his former teammate Kevin Durant because he has re-signed... With the Oklahoma City Thunder, three years, $85 million. Mike, tell me a little bit more about the details of this contract and what it means for the Thunder. Well, he is going to be around for this year. He's getting a, about a $9 million raise. So three years is sort of a misnomer. It's really basically one more year. Okay. So he was set to be a free agent in 2017. Instead, in return for delaying that, um, a year, basically, he will get a $9 million raise this year using the rest of their cap space. He'll basically go bumped up to the current max. He'll make about $28.5 million next year. He'll be under contract then. And then he has a player option for $30.6 million in 2018-19. Okay. Yes, that's the word. So it is kind of a three-year extension, but in all you know, effects and purposes, it is really a one year more okay. than he was before. So are we just delaying another inevitable conversation similar to the one we just went through for the past couple months? We are. We're just pushing this back another year or so? Or does this mean that Russell is Oklahoma City's guy? That all along it was meant to be Russ's team? That all along it was meant to be Russ's city? Russ's fan base? That he actually speaks and plays for the people of Oklahoma City. Is that the case, or are we just delaying another discussion until a year from now? The Lakers are involved in discussions, and the Clippers are involved in discussions, and the Knicks think they have a chance. Mike, what is the deal with the timeline here? Are we pushing this back, or are we have effectively put the stop on this, and Westbrook is Oklahoma City's guy? It depends on what you want to believe. <laughs> Now, you are a fan of Russell Westbrook coming back. You, are, you have proclaimed many times on this show yes. that you admire the Thunder. Um, this must have been a gut punch to you this month, losing Durant. It was. And so for people like you, the answer is that he is Mr. Oklahoma City. And that is going to be the prevailing narrative for a long time. Durant is a guy that was a traitor that left us. Yeah. And Westbrook is the one that feels loyal. I believe he even said we were recording this during his introductory press conference, and I believe he said that he was something along the lines of he was a loyal person. I'm looking to dig up the the quote. Uh, da, 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 da. A little filler for you as we look through this. We're looking through Royce Young's... Uh, because <laughs> loyalty is something I stand by. Uh, now, that is a wonderful message, and that will make for a fantastic narrative, uh, and that will lead us through this season. The loyalty, huh? Loyalty. The Thunder Thunder Warriors games are going to be great. Well, let, let me ask you, though, Mike. Is it more than him just standing up for a smaller market like Oklahoma City uh, or, look, not just standing up. The man just got paid an exceptional amount of money. And like we said, he could just go through the same motions again a year from now. But is it more that this speaks to breaking up that narrative, that he's the first superstar of the last 
five, six years since call it the decision, who went out there and said, I'm staying. That this is my team and my city, and I want to keep building upon what I started because I see unfinished business. Is that old school mentality something that we should be lauding right now, or, or, or are we only more of the yin and yang concept right now? Of there is the good guy, bad guy. He stayed, he left. Where well, are we at? That, I mean, I know how the public's going to look at this. That it's isn't it kind of funny that Russell Westbrook is now the loyal good yeah. guy, and Duran is a traitor. I think that the the narrative shift there is hilarious in yeah. a lot of ways. Not to say that. Either of them are either extreme. It's just that we have spent so much time beating Westbrook up and painting Durant as the patron saint. And yep. now the roles are going to be so reversed next year. But this is the problem with talking about like loyalty and all this. This is basically just kicking the can down the road again. Mm-hmm. And for his trouble, Russell Westbrook, this is a big boon for him, to him financially in that he is going to be instantly $9 million richer. Yeah. That is kind of nice. That's cool. And also, the timing of... Two years rather than committing all the way is that he can now out, opt out after 2018. He'll have completed 10 years in the league. That's right. And under the current CBA, and I want to stress current because we don't know what the rules will be once the CBA is renegotiated, uh, possibly as soon as December, but more likely this summer. Mm-hmm. He is now eligible under this current CBA for 35% of the salary cap yep. after year 10. So that year 10 is very significant. Huge, he basically, yep. long term, he made bank more money. Now, on the one hand, I, I think this is sort of a, a compromise on both sides. And a lot of times compromises are really good things mm-hmm. and everybody benefits. I think there are some times, though, where compromises are... Everybody thinks they win, but they've only gained a half measure on both sides. So who's who are the, the half measure losers here then? I think they both could be. I mean, it depends. Okay. On the one hand, if Westbrook really was like, no, I am staying in Oklahoma City for the long haul, why, he could have signed for more years. Mm-hmm. You know, he would have made less money, but he could have just done that. Uh, on the other hand, if Westbrook really wanted to leave, he could have just peaced out after That's next true. year. And he would have been traded. And, you know, maybe he wanted more freedom over his choice in two years. Who knows? But... You know, both of those things are true. And so on his end, what could happen in a good way is that he kind of has his cake and eats it too. Uh, but on the other hand, he may, you know, be back in a position to be traded again. Well, so l- this me, is over. Now. Let me ask you this then, Mike. Well, first off, I want to get your opinion. Are you happy? Is Mike the basketball fan happy that Westbrook's staying in Oklahoma City? I think it'll make things more interesting. Yeah. I, I like that. That's Mike, the basketball of, editor, though. <laughs> no, I think. That, I mean, I think it's. I think it's a good thing. I. I. Uh, I don't know where he would have gone, so mm-hmm. I don't know. I think Boston would have been really interesting if they had Russ. That would have been a very good team. Uh, would have been kind of nice to see Russ in L.A. But I. I think this shape, just the narrative shape. I mean, look, this league is defined by narratives. Otherwise, even the most ardent basketball fans like us have to have some larger theme that is sort of why we're paying attention and this provides it i think that's good i know you're happy yeah i'm I'm really happy i mean i'm more than anything i'm happy that that russ is going to be able to tell his oklahoma city story himself i mean look the 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 kevin durant injury season uh when westbrook kind of got to do his little uber uber russ impression was with a bad roster he had a, a few injuries that season he was playing through himself he has a pretty good roster around him, uh, at least a team that I think he can help shape in his image. I mean, these are younger guys. These are guys like Oladipo, um, uh, Adams, who will do what he asks them to do. They will be his soldiers. And I think when you have a leader who, who and I hate using military uh, analogies, but when you have a leader like this who's really going to put himself out there physically, emotionally, you know, that was never Kevin Durant. Emotionally, he may have... Well, he, uh, look, look, you can say what you want about Durant. Certainly not as expressively, maybe. Ex- expressively, but also, 
you know, look, Russ is an eccentric personality. He, he puts himself out there, not just on a basketball court. He puts himself out there in the peacocking of the clothes he wears. Uh, <laughs> even just even his, his press conference we just talked about. We weren't sure. We were talking before this. Like, will he make any, you know, underhanded statements or underhanded comments that will, you know, be at Durant? Surely he did. I mean, it was one of those things where he probably likes to have the upper hand. And I, I think that I think two things are going to be important. Number one, the success of the team. If if they come out and they don't look good enough with just him there as the the alpha, and the pieces don't necessarily make that much sense, and they miss the playoffs, there's a chance for sure that Oklahoma City doesn't make the playoffs. I think they will be a 50 plus win team that makes the playoffs, but. If they don't, then if you're Russ and you're reassessing the situation, the landscape, and let's say on top of that, Golden State looks amazing. They win the title. They win the West. And they win the mm-hmm. West winning 70 games next season, 68 games next season. Then I think if you're Russ, you got to really assess the whole MVPs versus championships thing. Uh, is, it, is it the type of situation when Russ is he's 27 years old now? Also, the, the way he plays, knee, yes, injuries. knee injuries, the way he plays, the 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 amount of falls he takes, all these little things. Um, that, that that's what makes me nervous about Russ. That that he's one really physical clash away from being a torn meniscus and out for, you know, in his timeline, one month. But a normal <laughs> human beings, a few months. Um, yeah, that that's the that's the risk that you, I didn't mention with Russ Westbrook. Again, this could be a great compromise, but it also could be. A problem is that you know he he could have locked himself in this summer, and now he's kind of kicking mm-hmm. that down the road. That's true. I want to. We'll talk a little bit more later on about uh, Oklahoma City this year. Mm-hmm. I think it's important to look at what Oklahoma City situation is right now in a larger sense. Uh, like I said, this is this is a compromise for them. And on the one hand, they basically have bought themselves time. They needed to get a commitment from Westbrook, and one way or the other. You know, if he didn't commit past this year, they would have probably need to trade him because that would have been a sign that he would want to leave. And you can't lose two guys like that, like right. Durant and Westbrook, for nothing. So this buys them extra time. Now what they can do is they can try to reshape the roster around Westbrook. There is some talk that they will try to go for Oklahoma. Is he not native? Maybe Oklahoma. Yeah, yeah. He's Blake, a native. Blake, Blake Griffin. Yeah, yeah. He, is, yeah. he is from Oklahoma. Okay, yeah. so Oklahoma native Blake Griffin. I think that's a long shot, but we'll see. Mm-hmm. So they have one free agency period. But the problem again for them is that they're really just – what, 12 months away from being in the exact same spot, right, potentially? Right, right, So it was necessary, but also I think they, if this doesn't go well, they could look back on this yeah. and say that they basically just sort of punted a year out of chasing a dream that never could be chased. That's so true. I think we have to be careful, you know, while it's very compelling from a narrative perspective to talk about the loyal Russ versus the kind of not yep. the trader Duran. I think there's a lot of shades of gray in here that it's yep. going to be interesting to see how this plays out uh, as we go forward. I like, I like that you brought up the whole Blake coming home thing, because I think one of the things that we can, we can talk about is that look like the narrative of like Durant's a quiet guy and he's from Texas and he loves being under the radar in Oklahoma. Well, look, he's going to the Bay Area, to San Francisco, to Oakland now. He's you never gonna, know these people. You never know. Westbrook Hill, this guy wants to be in the world of high fashion and he's from Long Beach and LA area and he wants to go back home. And what's he doing? He's staying in Oklahoma. So you know, putting the the 
the narratives to rest is something I'm very excited for right now, knowing that these major pieces have started to fall and we can really start to project what next season, what the season after, et cetera, will look like. Here's the problem. They're going to be replaced by different narratives. Yeah, no, for sure. I mean, and, we'll, and I'm sure we'll have a podcast on those different narratives as well. I mean, well. We, we shouldn't talk. I mean, we're excited about the possibility of the narratives, so yeah. we shouldn't like well, start I mean, using it as like a four-letter word. It's just, yeah, I it's don't just know. funny how the storylines get shaped so dramatically. Again, and then you look at this at the end of the day, he's really, all he's done is tacked on one extra year mm-hmm. of commitment. And, and I'll that's tell you what, it. You know what was nice, too? At the end of the Western Conference Finals last year, all anybody wanted was seven more games of Oklahoma City versus the Golden State Warriors. Well, I would love to see seven games right now, and it might only be four, we, okay? But I would love to see these two teams go at it, and for a totally different reason, but you can replace narratives, but keep the animosity, and I love that. Keep the fan base, mm-hmm. you know, interest of the Golden State, flashy new Silicon Valley team with owners that think they've figured out a new science and secret sauce to basketball against Oklahoma City's, you know, call it blue-collar fan base in Oklahoma. Whatever narratives you want to paint, and I hate using that term, and I know Andy Magnus, one of our frequent listeners, is going to give me shit for saying narratives <laughs> five times there. But, Narrative, say it five times, yeah. and uh, what's-his-face appears. Yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, Stephen Smalls. Yeah. <laughs> Smalls appears. <laughs> say, say narrative five times, and uh, Skip Ballas appears. Oh, yeah, that's it. <laughs> uh, yeah. I, I, we should say, before we move on a little bit, I, I do want to talk a little bit about where Oklahoma City goes from here, sure. both uh, this year and next, but... I'm happy just for Thunder fans because I think one of the reasons that I think we talked about this when we had Eddie Mason on and one of the fears he was saying that they should trade him they should rebuild and one of the things I was saying is that I think in that market to lose two players of that caliber in one year would have been a real gut punch and perhaps would have really depreciated the fan base and would have been really bad for basketball in that city now they avoid that problem so I'm really happy for fans on that front, I yep. think that is good for that market. Agreed. Without a question, you saw like a zillion fans at this press conference uh, on Thursday. It means everything to them, man. It means everything for us. I think from a personal, and we all feel that personal connection. The, the, the way that I think like. Um, Los Angeles fans feel for Kobe the way that Philadelphia fans felt for Iverson that they were that he was sort of there with you more so than Kobe with Los Angeles. Um, but the idea is that like I think that that journey that the fan base has gone on with Oklahoma City would have felt completely abandoned had both those players been gone. Oh yeah, you know, and now they now can they still at least continue have something. It. That's and right. uh, let's transition now. Let's talk about the Thunder. Let's start with. Do you want to start with this year or in the future? Sure, let's do this year. Okay, so. I mean, we can ask a fundamental question. Like, you think they're going to still be pretty damn good? Yeah, I think they're going to be a 52-win team. 50, really? 50 to 52 You know, that's wins. only losing five wins off last yeah. year. Or no. not even five, three wins, excuse me. And I think that they took off the last month of last season as well. But I, So that's different. But, yeah, I think they're still going to be good. I think that under the radar is the fact that maybe some of these other pieces make more sense with Westbrook than Durant did. I who, mean, did who does? Maybe Oladipo is a nice, uh, you know, look, shooting-wise, they're going to need some court spacing. But defensively, they could be terrors. They're going to be physically as imposing as any team in the league with the bodies and athleticism that they're going to have on their team. So I could see Oklahoma City still being a completely different but good team. Do you think that they're a playoff team, Mike? I think they're going to make the playoffs. I have some serious concerns about their lack of shooting. Uh, You look at... Who are their shooters right now? I mean, you really are talking about... uh, 
Ersan Eliasova mm-hmm. is a decent shooter. Yeah. Um, they have Anth- I guess they still have Anthony Morrow, but he can't defend anybody, so he's a part-time player. They're really their best hope for shooting is uh, this European guy they brought over, the Spanish kid Alex Abrines, who uh, I think I'm pronouncing that right. Yeah. He uh, shot um, yeah, 43% right. from three in EuroLeague in Europe this year. They're paying uh, him a lot, too. Well, they're paying him the mid-level. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like, he's that's a very a lot for a foreigner who has no track record in the NBA, who wasn't like you know three-time FIBA Player of the Year or whatever. Right, and that's it, though. I mean, yeah. that, I mean, that's their shooting, and they've not only lost Durant, they've also lost Ibaka, who can space the floor for them. I mean, spacing is going to be really cramped. Yeah, and, they have no shooters, and I think that's. <laughs> a, I mean, that's a real problem because one of the ways that Westbrook really developed over the years, there are a couple ways. One that actually may provide, I think, a saving grace for them, but one that is now sort of vaporized in a lot of ways, is he became a great spread pick-and-roll player, and you couldn't leave Durant. And now, I mean, is there going to be space to do that? Yeah, that's true. I mean, that is that is a serious concern. And, you know, look, Westbrook is a great player, but he does shoot a lot of not-so-great shots. Yes. He's not particularly efficient. Yeah. And when he had the role, I know it was a different team, but when he had the lead role, they were really average i mean they he put up big numbers but they were not particularly great now some of that is defense and we'll we'll talk a bit about defense and and the overall average of the western conference teams was better three years ago that's for sure well i think certainly at the top i mean there there are some good teams in the middle i mean portland just made some big moves the clippers are still there the spurs maybe took a step back like is is portland better than oklahoma city Oh, that's a good question. I, I'm not sure. Yeah. I'd have to look at it. I mean, Utah might be better than Oklahoma City. Uh, Memphis made some big moves. Uh, you still, I mean, Minnesota is on the rise. I don't think they're going to reach Oklahoma City's level. Houston, but, Dallas, where are they these days? Are they still in that back middle of that push yeah. as well? Yeah. Yeah. So I have I have real concerns about their offense and uh, how they're going to be able to score. I think that Durant's ability to shoot and shoot over anybody is going to be sorely. Look, Durant's going to be missed, but I think that quality, mm-hmm. they have no, they have even come close to replacing that and I think that's really going to torpedo their offense unless they can get really creative which I don't think they've really proven this feels like something that like Malcolm Gladwell probably has written about or talked about but like I'm sure there's some circumstance where losing someone of a certain quality does open up more avenues to fill in the gaps with which you were losing for like it's not to say that they're better with without Durant. They're not. A, 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 a generational player like Durant is very difficult to replace. But sometimes it's not the act of replacing. It is the act of fulfilling where you were uh, deficient. And that is completely different. Now, that's not to say that uh, you know they do need to fill in spots for shooting and shot creation that opens up space for Westbrook, but maybe they'll be better at rebounding. Maybe each guy well, will they're going to be an amazing rebounding um, team. The best I mean, in the were, NBA. They were the best in the yes. NBA last year. One of the best of all time, actually. And they just got bigger and more physical and added another guard who crashes the board. So... That's true. They'll be quite now, good one, on One way they're going to be, they could mask this, is that if Westbrook is posting up, maybe he has less of an ability to get by his man, but he can sort of draw some double teams that may open up offensive yep. rebound opportunities. I, I just, I have a hard time seeing this team being a top 10 offense. Okay. And if you're talking about 52 win team, you've got to be close to top 10 on both sides of the ball or be really good at one thing. I do not see. Like, they're going to – I think they'll be good defensively, but I do not see them cracking the top five. Yeah. And I do not see them cracking the top ten in offense. So, I think it's more realistic that they're going to be in the mid-40s range. Sure. Yeah, that may happen. And, and, look, maybe Billy Donovan will take a step up in his coaching. It's only his second season in the NBA, too. Um, I wouldn't put it past Presti to add uh, – 
potentially another shooter. Obviously, it looks they like no cap space, they have though. no space, but maybe they trade Cancer and some. Maybe someone wants an Enos on their team. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, but how can you trade Cancer? He's like the one leading the Kevin Durant as a trader line on Instagram. On yeah, Twitter. I know. I saw that. God, he's so socially active and always kind of gets gets shit for what he does a lot of times because he like <laughs> he'll like tweet out when he's in like a random city like. I'm looking for a girl, you know, or something like. I don't know, that's not no, a, that's he, a bad Turkish impression. He has uh, he's been fantastic on yeah, Twitter so yeah. far. I'm I'm super impressed, and I would be very sad if they <laughs> they rewarded him for his loyalty to the cause by trading him. That would be very unfortunate. All right, so tell me about long term projection here, Mike. This is a, again, guys. This is an emergency short podcast. We're doing a longer look for our Timberwolves season preview and look back at the summer podcast coming up soon. Mike and I are stoked for that because the Timberwolves are just freaking exciting, and we're excited to talk about them. But mm-hmm. Mike, tell me the long-term projection for this trade and for the team. We just talked about short-term. Give me long-term. Yeah, this is going to be interesting because they're going to have cap space next year, um, but they also have three prominent restricted free agents. They have Oladipo. Uh, as we said when um, Durant, when the Ibaka trade happened, while they were avoiding paying Ibaka a lot of money, they also inherited Orlando's Oladipo dilemma, which is for less money but still significant. That's right. Uh, Steven Adams is a restricted free agent uh, next year, uh, and as is Andre Robertson, who was very good in the playoffs. So what they can do is they can stay under the cap, basically do what uh, the Wizards and Pistons did. They can stay under the cap, use the low cap holes, especially for Robertson's basically is non-existent and That's Adams' right. is very small because he was the uh, 11th pick in the draft, 12th pick? Yeah, 11 or 12th. Like I forget exactly which Whatever one. that Houston pick was they got. Yeah, yeah. so they, they can pursue a top free agent like Blake Griffin and theoretically sign him and then go over the cap using these low cap holds and they would just end up paying a monstrous luxury tax bill. Yep. Uh, so they can do that, but the thing that is concerning is that no I mean, who's the last free agent that of any prominence that signed with in Oklahoma City. I mean Cantor was a sign and trade, right? No, yeah. So, I mean I'm just saying for another team. I mean we were talking about this in the office yeah. today. We're really talking about what? Anthony Morrow, Morrow yeah. like mid season Karan Butler and Derek Fisher. Like we're not they Kyle Singler, trade. Trade. Yeah, also a trade. I mean that's yeah. why they've they've traded guys ahead of their restricted free so agency. Are you status. saying the guys don't necessarily seek Oklahoma City out as a destination to live? I know it's crazy, right? To have their career. Hey look, I'm not saying either way that we just talked about like where you're from and all that doesn't necessarily matter. Um but I will say that's an interesting point because you're right. We did look this up. We looked at the numbers and the players here, and it's literally Anthony Morrow, who I would hardly consider like there may be someone we're forgetting. A, a that is, there may be some mid-level player we're forgetting, but nobody prominent. You remember a, a couple years ago, uh, Kevin Durant tried to recruit Pau Gasol to come there, yeah, and yeah. Uh, he, they thought that was very close, and Pau basically passed on it because of the city. He liked the city of Chicago. And Durant was uh, frustrated because they had a better team uh, and they had a better situation for him. But the city of Oklahoma City just worked against them. So uh, I'm not really sure. I think that we don't know what's in Westbrook's head or, like, how much – how loyal he really is. Mm -hmm. Like, if he – is he loyal enough to, like, chug along, you know, with 45 to 50 win, maybe maybe occasionally get in the high – low 50s. Kind of chugging along as a one guy for does he want to do that for five years? Probably not. Can he do it for five more years? Is I mean, that's all. I mean, that's a whole separate discussion. Uh, yeah. Maybe we can have that at the end of this if you want. So I, the path forward, while it's there, I think it's still pretty murky. You know, if they want to be a title contender again, they need another big star. I mean, they they should pursue Griffin, but that's sort of they why should I pursue s- LeBron James. They should. 
I don't think he's going to sign, though. Yeah, look, if you can play in Cleveland, you, know, you, you can play in Oklahoma. You know who's a free agent next summer? Hey, LeBron James. That's also, what do you know who else is a free agent next summer? Uh, no. Kevin Durant. Kevin Durant. Ah, <laughs> it's true. And you know who might not be able to re-sign Kevin Durant because the NBA won't let him? Uh-huh. Golden State. Mm, very interesting. So, oh, man. So that's the path. I, I don't. I think it's going to be tough, but I mean they have a great GM, great draft. Uh, you know, I, I admit all yeah. that. I just maybe Oladipo really turns a corner this year and shows the kind of player that merits his draft position. But I think this is again kicking the can down the road a little bit too. They have bought themselves time to figure something out, but I do not think that has made their task mm-hmm. easier. It just has given them more time. Yep. Yeah, and I like the fact that you mentioned that they have a great GM who like look Presti has picked more gems in the draft in the last. Seven years, uh, no, eight. Well, he, eight had that, he had that great stretch. I, yeah, I'm not I mean, sure. Well, look, Adams was a heck of a pick. You're right, Adams. I mean, and I mean, Robertson, where Rob, he was, yeah, was a sure. good pick. Yeah, so, I like, think you're right. The guy's done, I mean, aside from that, he's picked himself. He picked three of the top 12 players in the NBA, 10 players in the NBA as plus well. Plus Ibaka. Plus Ibaka. And look, when he picked Harden, that was a that was sort of an out-of-left-field pick. Harden was no superstar at Arizona State. Oh. He was good, but he wasn't great. Maybe it was like sort of out of the left-center field. <laughs> I don't think it was like so out of oh, the whack, I mean, but it was it was no, not necessary. Yeah. Sure, sure, sure. Um, okay, and look, and the Durant pick was different because that was like the, the quintessential one-two and you have two, which works out great sometimes. Um, hopefully, uh, we'll you know, see if it we'll, does this year, <laughs> yeah, I started it. thinking about that. Um. <laughs> yeah, uh, real quick before we go, do you want? To, do you think that mm. it's interesting to think about how Westbrook will age? Mm. I think the prevailing thought is that uh, athletic is so reliant on his athleticism that he may decline. I'm actually going to be a contrarian here and go the other way. I think that actually gives him sort of a, a cushion to where he can still be pretty effective with a little less athleticism. I think his post game that he developed this year is sort of an avenue to stay. I actually think... Passing out of that post game too, Mark Jackson style, running a game from the post. Right. And I think, uh, you know, obviously it's a different game, but I think that's a way in. So I actually think, you know... I don't know the state of his knees, but I think he actually has a decent chance of aging better than people think. I hope so. I hope so. My only fear for Russ is that it's going to be an unnatural aging process that's that's expedited by an injury or by uh, a tear that that happens in a partial capacity that he pushes and then compensatorily or whatever hurts Mm -hmm. the other leg. Like he's such a freak athlete. He's built in such a wiry, explosive way. He looks for so much contact. Um, his usage rate's going to be historic next season. Oh yeah, I mean unprecedented. Um, so we'll, we'll see. We'll see. If Boogie Cousins has something to say about that. <laughs> yeah, right. God, that'll. I we can only hope. Um, <laughs> if, Boogie, if Boogie's usage rate is uh, on par with Westbrook's, next season's going to be unbelievable, regardless. <laughs> um, but yeah, so I, you know, I have my concerns about the unnatural aging process. But I do think that as you as your body ages and and your mental acuity and your physical capacities hit that apex together, this happens all the time. It's usually around thirty ish years old um you do get to see the most holistic version of a player or who at least understands his best fit in the game i like that concept of running a game through the post like mark jackson used to do um you know being able to hit a little bit and working on your fadeaway your turnaround look he's going to be able to out jump and get an open fadeaway on anybody he's also going to have great footwork around the basket that he already has for up and under moves stuff like that my one thing I worry about with Westbrook is if you're running it from the post, you're inherently bringing him closer to the bigger bodies and more contact. 
That's so true. That and could... also, that's not really how teams play nowadays, so yeah. we'll see. But... but I'm interested to see the next paradigm shift in the league. We're in one way right now. We were in another way five years ago. I mean, look, the Dallas Mavericks won the NBA title starting Jason Kidd, who couldn't move, Tyson Chandler, who couldn't move, and Dirk Nowinski, who couldn't move. Tyson Chandler can move. He he moved well at that point. Okay, fine, fine, fine. Yeah. But you get the, you get what I'm saying. Jason Terry was on that. They had a well, geriatric I, I team. I know you're trying to invent a way for Julian Okafor to be an effective NBA player. So <sighs> and you're couching it in a paradigm shift. So I think, let's see I how think, that works. I think the Sixers and Wizards next year are going to be closer in the standings than you think, Mike. So watch out. Okay. Well, <laughs> well yeah, you're right. John Wall could get injured. Yeah, right. Uh, I mean, as sad as it sounds. Oh, um, but uh, all right, you yeah. want to wrap this up? Yeah. I think there's yeah. sort of a larger discussion to be had about sort of what this means. for the league and yeah. the franchise tag and the next CBA, all that. Yeah. Let's have that discussion another time. Today is about a happy day for yeah. Oklahoma City. Agreed. This is, a, I think, a happy day for the league. So Same. I think we should be celebrating that and that yeah. we can leave all those bigger discussions for another time. Yeah, agreed. We'll talk about the macro, uh, you know, longer-lasting parts of this, uh, you know, at another podcast. We'll, we'll get into the larger issues. But for now, like Mike just said, I'll echo that sentiment. I'm happy for Oklahoma City. I'm happy for my buddy Eddie. I'm happy for my other friends that are big Oklahoma City fans. Um, happy for Welcome to Loud City or yes, uh, Thundersight. Yes. Yeah, right, because they didn't just lose another transcendent player. It'd be hard to write about that. It'd be hard to internalize that for a fan base. So I'm glad that, that Oklahoma City gets this, uh, can put this feather in their cap. They can see what an Uber Russ looks like next year. All the cool offshoots of this we can start exploring. I'm excited to get into. Um, but again, this was just our emergency. We had to talk about it because Mike and I were excited about it. Podcast. Go watch the press conference after you listen to this podcast. Try to match up what our thoughts were with what your thoughts are. And then when we get back into the uh, to our Oklahoma City season preview as we go through all of the teams that we're might, previewing. That one might not be for a while, though. Because they're pretty good and we're going from worst to first. So uh, yeah, sometime in September. Next, yeah. And then New Orleans after that. Yep. And then, I guess, Denver. And then Sacramento. And then the New York Knicks. That's right. So, uh, we'll, uh, we'll be tackling that. But again, uh, find us on iTunes, SoundCloud, and Stitcher for now. We are migrating to a different server. We'll give you guys all the tips on that soon. But for now, SoundCloud, Stitcher, and iTunes. Search for the Limited Upside Podcast. Uh, leave us a review. We've gotten a couple yeah. recent ones. Yeah. Uh, appreciate Rates. that. Yep. Also, you can always send me questions at uh, MikePreda at SBNation.com. Got a good one on Orlando that we're going to save for Orlando preview yep. from someone. So thank cool. you to that person. Uh, you can always do that. Yeah. And, uh, you know, this will be uh, a fun rest of the year. We also have the Olympics coming up, uh, which I, frankly, am sort of bored by. I don't really have a lot of interest in, but we are going to cover it. And it's a good opportunity to see some, not only, obviously, Team USA, but also some international stars that we don't, we kind of get to see only on the, uh, you know, international tournament stage uh some players who are not in the NBA as well. Also, a preview of the future of the league, Dario Saric, who's playing for Croatia. So everyone check out for that. That's right. Uh, but yeah, cool. So again, maybe you'll find us doing a little bit of an Olympics, uh, you know, mid-Olympic tournament talk. Should be a pretty easy run for the United States. But in case they have any hiccups, and we'll maybe preview that uh, championship, which, you know, the gold medal game, I'm assuming, will be one against one of three teams. Uh, I believe it'll be the France, Spain, or Lithuania. Maybe I think Serbia pretty is pretty good. And yeah. look, Croatia is young, but yeah. I think that you can't count them out. They have yeah. some talent. Yeah, uh, cool. I think actually the other 11 teams are pretty even. See, Mike actually does like Olympic basketball. That's in, in four seconds we got him to come full circle and has extreme <laughs> interest in it. But, uh, uh, you, you can see me like yelling at the top of my lungs. <laughs> I'm so riveted right now. Uh, but yeah, find us on Twitter as well. That's limited underscore upside. We're getting great fan questions from that as well. And, you know, we, love, uh, we love answering them and it definitely helps... Uh, 
push the flow here and we do these podcasts for you guys and we're doing these team previews specifically for our awesome SB Nation NBA communities. So be on the lookout for those. Uh, and until next time, Limited Upside Podcast. Yeah.